You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Simon Waltorton. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 22 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and with me in my kitchen studio this week is my trusty co-host Simon Waltorton. Hello, Simon. Good afternoon, Carlos. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's been... um, an action-packed uh, week last week, the start of the air show season, fully underway now. Um, uh, good trip out to Duxford, wasn't it? Oh yeah, we had a brilliant day at Duxford. Me and Simon thoroughly enjoyed ourselves, didn't we? Yes, um, uh, lots to tell you about and talk about uh, regarding Duxford. Um, uh, just a little review uh, of, what, of what we saw and um, a few other things. Um, lots of news, um, air show news, as, as we are in the air show season now. Um, Got a little bit of sad news about the Vulcan uh, not appearing at Riyadh. Um, we don't know what the uh, um, in-depth story is to this, um, but I'll give you some uh, news on that. And also, the Reds are back in um, in the UK a few days ago, and they've done the first air show at Falmouth, um, which went uh, really well. And they've been given uh, PDA, Public uh, Display Authority, uh, for this uh, their 50th uh, year, so uh, that's another good thing. Um, yeah, so uh, there's lots and lots to talk about. And also one other thing, um, one of my friends uh, from where I work has given me a thing. Uh, if uh, our younger listeners out there want to join the um, Air Cadets, um, I'll give you a bit more information on that uh, later on in the show. Yeah, so as we record this episode, Dan, it's the 2nd of June and uh, time is just coming up to 10 past 5 in the evening. We're a bit uh, delayed in bringing you episode 22, but that's because me and Simon, uh, we do have quite a few different jobs, don't we, Simon? Yes, we, we do. do, yep, yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're here now, and uh, we've got loads of stuff. We've also got some really good interviews as well that we've done at the yes, show. Yes, uh, yeah, I forgot to mention them. Um, yeah, we've got um, three um, special interviews, uh, which we've done, and uh, there'll be more air shows um, that we go to where, we'll, where we will be uh, having special guests. Yeah, uh, we were quite uh, happy this week. Uh, won't we, Simon? We got news that uh, we'd been accepted uh, for our media accreditation for Farnborough. Yes. So we're uh, we'll have uh, we'll have <coughs> hopefully media passes coming through the post soon for us for Farnborough. And also we got an email later uh, in the week for uh, for Riyadh. We've actually <coughs> uh, been accepted for uh, media access for yes. Riyadh as well. Yes. We will have uh, two spare tickets um, for Farnborough. Um, so if anybody is interested in buying them off us, because we are now uh, press and we will have a, a press access, there are two uh, tickets um, that are available to buy. So just email us at our website. Yeah, email us at, uh, through our, via the website at uh, com. Like Simon said, we have we will have two tickets, uh, which were our tickets actually for the uh, Farnborough Air Show this year. Um, they can be used on the Saturday or the Sunday, and uh, they will admit an adult to the show. And uh, as we have the media access now, we uh, we can sell those, Simon. Yes, which is uh, good. <laughs> which is quite good. And um, <clears throat> I'm quite impressed. Uh, you will uh, be able to see us um, at all major air shows. Um, normally, we'll either have a T-shirt on, which is uh, sky blue, uh, with Plain Talking UK podcast on the uh, back and uh, the logo, small logo on the front. Um, so if you uh, are about at any of the air shows and uh, you do see us, come and say hello to us. Um, we don't bite and um, we'll 
try and answer any questions you have um, on a, anything aviation, civil, military, air show news, anything. We'll uh, try and get you the information. And if we don't, what we'll do is we'll uh, uh, take your email and uh, we'll email you as soon as we get the information uh, of anything you ask us. Yeah, so look out for us at the air shows with our lovely new T-shirts and uh, the jackets we have as well. But yes, uh, they are good, aren't they? Yeah. The logos on the back. And yes, everything and, uh, you won't miss us. No, you won't miss us. So we're going to start the show, as we always do every week, with the rundown of uh, the last weekly news from uh, all around the uh, globe and the UK and the airline and airport news. So if you're ready then, Simon, yeah, let's, uh, let's kick things off with yep. the weekly news. So kicking off this week's news then, uh, which is from the Manchester Evening News site. This one is regarding Manchester's Jet 2 uh, airlines, and they're launching three new summer routes from Manchester. Uh, the budget airline Jet2.com has launched a hat-trick of <coughs> routes uh, from Manchester Airport. The three new destinations planned for summer 2015 are Antalya in Turkey, the Greek island of Kefalonia, and, my favourite, the island of Malta. The routes will bring more than 46,000 seats, bringing Jet2.com's total summer 2015 offering to 1.5 million seats over 46 destinations. Twice-weekly Jet2.com flights to Antalya and Malta and weekly flights to Kefalonia, all beginning next May, are now on sale. The airline's building on a booming Easter with passenger totals reaching 1.5 million on flights to and from Manchester and a 17% increase from last year. Steve Heapy, CEO of Jet2.com and Jet2 Holidays, said that uh, we are always striving to bring our local passengers the very best of choice and holiday options direct from their local airport and I don't think they'll be disappointed with this latest trio of top European gems. Malta continues to grow in popularity and the addition of Antalya and Kefalonia means we now have three Turkish destinations and six Greek isles for local people to take their pick from. Stephen Turner, Aviation Commercial Director for MAG, said it's fantastic to be able to announce another three destinations for Jet2.com and Jet2 Holidays as they continue to grow with us at Manchester Airport. Jet2.com and Jet2 Holidays have plenty of options to entice customers to fly from Manchester Airport. So some more routes then, Simon, another, uh, so, another airline uh, bringing some more routes to the uh, UK. Yeah, I think these are ones to watch, uh, Jet2.com, because um, these are hot on the heels of uh, EasyJet and mm. uh, Ryanair. What do you think? Yeah, they are. They've, they've got a slightly older fleet uh, than uh, EasyJet and Ryanair. They're using sort of the older 737 series aircraft. Um, I'm not sure what their total fleet is, but uh, but they are definitely becoming uh, a popular airline yeah, in the UK. And, um, gonna, I think uh, we're going to keep an eye on these because um, uh, they seem as though they're going to be uh, hot on the heels, as I said, um, with uh, EasyJet and Ryanair. And um, and uh, all I can say is, uh, you guys, watch out because uh, Jet2.com uh, is hot on your heels. And um, looking at uh, what you've just said there... Um, I'm thinking that they, these uh, guys are going to be uh, really uh, um, putting the other guys on uh, sort of uh, uh, a bit nervous 
What do you think? Definitely, yeah. Just looking at the fleet size then for Jet2.com, they've got uh, 54 aircraft, and the average fleet age of their aircraft is 22.1 years. Yeah, that's uh, quite old uh, aircraft, uh, bearing in mind that uh, Ryanair and EastJet have uh, got a lot more younger uh, fleet of aircraft. So at the moment, Jet2 are using uh, Boeing 737-300s, uh, uh, 800s, and they've also got uh, 11 Boeing 757-200s. Yes. Um, which are the, the, sort of the older ones as well. But uh, So that's, they've got quite a, a, a large fleet, really, for yes. a, a smallish uh, UK airline, 54 but, aircraft. Um, the uh, 757s and all the aircraft that have got, um, got quite a good uh, lifespan. So mm. uh, even though the aircraft may be old, um, they're um, totally safe and... Um, I must admit, they can uh, normally bring those aircraft up to uh, nice condition um, on major refurbishments and refits and uh, a nice paint job, which uh, this one we are looking at here has uh, got, got Manchester Jet on their side and Jet2.com on the sail. So yeah, um, even though the aircraft, as I said, uh, are old, um, but the 800s, uh, they're pretty uh, young aircraft, aren't they? Yeah, the 737-800s in the fleet uh, are, are slot, a lot, quite a bit newer. Yeah, but the... But the 300s there, they're mega old. <laughs> yeah, they're just looking at the 300 uh, series in the fleet they've got here. They've got 31, as we said, of those. Um, a lot of those were uh, delivered to the airline in 2003, um, but they actually came into service, just looking at the uh, fleet list here. Sort of, We're going back to 1998, yeah. uh, 1987. There's a few of them there in 1987. Uh, and uh, <coughs> around the sort of late 80s, early 90s, that 737 fleet, but as we said, the 800 series they've got are a lot newer. Um, some of these have come from America, from Southwest and United Airlines. Yes, uh, yeah, and uh, I know the uh, 757s, uh, it's an aircraft I like. Um, it's uh, quite a, <coughs> a slim aircraft, um, but the 757s, there's not many airlines that are still uh, flying them. I know, uh, I think British Airways has um, retired all theirs, uh, and United may have a few running still. Um, but yeah, that's um, DHL, uh, they're using for cargo as well. But um, <clears throat> as I said, uh, nice bit of news that. Yeah, so next piece of news then on the Travel Mole website. <coughs> this one is about Canada. And uh, Canada are following the trend now of uh, many countries in, Euro- in Europe and around the world in uh, the use of uh, portable electronic devices on their, their f- uh, aircraft. Uh, bringing it in line with the rules in the US and Europe, uh, Transport Minister Lisa Riap will relax issues and rules allowing flyers to use smartphones, e-readers, tablets and laptops even during takeoff and landing as long as the devices are programmed to flight mode. Restrictions banning cell phones and cell call, cell phone calls are going to remain in place. But it's good news for passengers and it's good news for the Canadian aviation industry, Riat said. It, uh, it'll ensure that can, uh, Canadian operators can remain globally competitive, she said, and US and the European Union or aviation authorities have announced similar plans which they announced last year, as we talked about in previous podcasts. Each airline uh, must ensure the gadgets are switched off during the passenger safety briefings and all devices must remain in flight mode throughout the flight. So Canada then, they've they've now followed uh, Europe now then, Simon. Yes. Uh, I think a lot of these uh, electronic devices now, um, I know my uh, new uh, Samsung uh, S5 has got the uh, flight mode and even previous phones. 
um, got the little uh, aircraft logo, uh, and you can switch it to flight mode, which disables a, lo- a lot of the functions on it. But um, airlines are understanding this, and uh, it's a good uh, news for passengers. But it still uh, pays to listen to the uh, safety briefing, though. Yeah, it does, yes. Yeah. That is uh, the main thing, and uh, we wouldn't want anybody uh, to uh, miss that. Um, however many times you fly, it's always important uh, to uh, watch the uh, in-flight uh, sort of safety briefing, um, just to be on the safe side. We've all flown aircraft loads of times. Yes. You know, I've flown the Ryanair 737-800 loads and loads of times, but I always still listen to the Yes, and uh, I always um, study the card as well, um, because you never know uh, uh, what might happen. Um, Fingers crossed you have an enjoyable flight, but um, there is that odd chance, so... So moving on then, next uh, news piece from CH Aviation. This one is regarding Stobart Air. Um, they're to base two ATR 72500s out of Southend for flyby operations. Stobart Air, Dublin International, will uh, base two ATR 72500s, um, registrations Echo India, Romeo Echo Lima, and Echo India, Romeo Echo Mike, out of London Southend for operations under a franchise agreement with Flybe. The turboprops are going to be used to launch six new routes, starting with Rennes, uh, Groningen, and Munster and Onsbrook on June the 5th, while Maastricht and Cannes and Antwerp will start on July the 3rd. In line with inspect, uh, expected growth in demand, capacity on the routes will be increased from September the 1st, resulting in a total of 102 weekly flights on the new six, <coughs> uh, six of the new routes. Stobart also continues to operate seven ATR 72600s and two ATR 72200s and an ATR 42300 on franchise agreements with Aer Lingus under the Aer Lingus regional brand. So that's that's some more uh, good news then for Southend. Yes, that Uh, seems uh, uh, another one to watch uh, here. Uh, We'll be uh, monitoring this uh, fairly closely um, uh, we've uh, spoke about South End in the past, but uh, the Stobart Group has obviously uh, taken us over, and this airport is uh, booming uh, really well. And um, it seems as though um, St- uh, South End is uh, overtaking uh, Stansted a little bit and uh, sort of relieving them of a few um, flights, which is good. Um, Flyby are now based there as well, so um, all it's the- good to have competitions. It is, yes, it is, and. Uh, here in the east, we seem as though um, all our airports are doing really well. Uh, Norwich, mm. um, Southend, yep. uh, Stansted, and all the other uh, airports as well, and Cambridge as well, as we talked about in previous podcasts. So, yeah, that's uh, a good thing. Okay, so next piece of news then, moving on. Uh, this is on the uh, Yahoo's uh, site. And uh, this is something we covered in a previous episode about uh, the new luxury um, uh, rooms offered uh, by Etihad Airways, the luxury lounges on board their aircraft, and uh, this, the uh, the actual headline is the exact opposite of Ryanair: the twelve thousand pound airline ticket. Goodness me! <laughs> so, <laughs> so touchdown on the tarmac in a three bedroom cabin, and one thing you won't hear is a Ryanair fanfare. A personal butler, living room, double bedroom and a separate ensuite shower room may sound like the features of a plush hotel room, but it's actually just the latest in uh, first-class air travel. Now, we covered this on uh, one of the previous shows, don't we, Simon? Yes. About this particular. 
uh, Etihad product. And they're offering um, this particular one-way trip um, from Abu Dhabi to London. And it will cost you £12,000 to have your very own cabin, like we said, with the shower. And you also get a uh, lounge sofa, a reclining, electronic reclining sofa uh, with seat controls, massage uh, built into the seat as well, and a 32-inch TV as well in the lounge. Um, The bedroom has its own 27-inch TV, and uh, the whole cabin will be fully Wi-Fi enabled with the latest Panasonic EX3 entertainment system controlled by touchscreen and handset. The private butlers will be trained at the Savoy Butler Academy in London, uh, part of the famous Savoy Hotel Group. And measuring 125 square feet in total area, the cabin will be on the upper deck of Etihad Airways' new Airbus A380s and are available for single or double occupancy. And we're just looking at the uh, pictures here, aren't we, Simon, oh, on the uh, Yahoo Finance website. It, just, <coughs> it just doesn't even look like a... Um it doesn't even look like an aircraft, does it, anymore? Um, but um, all the airlines are trying to entice passengers, but um, I think it's a big extortion at 12000 And I know I haven't got that sort of money, and um, a lot of people won't have. Um, but it's just it, just, it looks lovely, I must admit. And uh, oh, yeah, looking at that uh, cabinet back there with all that champagne in it, <laughs> look at all them bottles of champagne. <laughs> Uh, and the the lovely bathroom. Yeah, with, with the, the shower. Uh, oh, blimey. And, uh, Goodness me, look at that lovely bed. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. We'll we'll put uh, we're going to put and add a new section to our website. Uh, we're going to put a show notes section to our website, so you can uh, go to our website and click on the show notes section. And each episode, when we have these particular links that we think you'd find interesting, we'll put the link to the page on our show notes uh, section of the website, and you can go and have a look for yourself because uh, these are just. I mean, I mean, look at that song. It's a, to- a glass, totally amazing. A glass sink. It's totally amazing. I must admit, um, it is uh, nice. We'll definitely, we'll have to save up some. We'll go halves oh, yes. on it. <laughs> we'll win the lottery. Win the lottery, we'll try to, yeah. So the next uh, piece of news then from PR Weekly. This one is uh, regarding British Airways. And they're giving in to having their own TV documentary filmed after the makers uh, of the Heathrow show that was uh, that was on TV last year when it started yes. in the Heathrow programme. So they're going to do a three-part documentary on British Airways featuring unprecedented access to the national carrier. It's going to begin airing next Monday, which is June the 2nd. That's tonight. Which is actually tonight on BBC Two. Yes. I'm glad you reminded me because I saw that advertised yesterday at the TV at uh, work. And um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to um, just make a note of this. What time is that on? Right, so that's on uh, tonight. Uh, that will be... Have we got a time? We haven't got a time no, on there. But I would imagine it's around about 8 o'clock, I was making Simon. But they're going to uh, they're gonna do a three-part documentary on uh, BA. Um, for those of you who do miss tonight's episode on June the 2nd, obviously you can catch that up on BBC iPlayer. Um, but uh, the series is going to be called A Very British Airline and it was commissioned following the success of last year's Airport Live, which was a live broadcast from Heathrow over four nights in June last year. The story told of the world's busiest airport and how it is run. 
According to the BBC, the documentary will be the most in-depth analysis of British Airways in 25 years and will explore every aspect of the airline from board-level decisions about the future of the organisation to the training of new recruits and the daily operation challenges faced by some of its 40,000 staff. A spokeswoman uh, for BA said that we are constantly being asked to do these sorts of things and we just felt it time and the time is right following uh, on from last summer's airport live which was a very well received look into how the busiest airport in the world works. Three 60-minute episodes will air at 9pm on Monday starting from tonight which is June the uh, 2nd and going through until June the 16th on BBC2. The opening episode will show how the airline, which has faced financial crisis in the past decade, following the rise of budget airlines such as EasyJet, tries to persuade people to spend more to fly. So, Simon, we're definitely going to be uh, having this on uh, yes, record. Yes, for the uh, no doubt we'll be uh, sending each other uh, texts back and uh, commenting on Facebook about this tonight, as, as we did with... Uh, Airport Live last uh, last year. Did you did you watch the Airport Live series last year? Sometime? You know I did because you were sending me messages oh, and we were yes, commenting sorry, on yes, there. Yes, we were. Weren't we? Yeah, <laughs> that was in our, our infancy, wasn't it? Before we uh, before we started the podcast. Yes, actually, and I think that was in the pipeline that we were doing the podcast, mm. and you were looking for a, um, a co-pilot. Co-pilot, so. yeah. I've got, so, you, I've got you, haven't I? Yeah, you got to up with me for many more <laughs> podcasts. I wonder how many more, how many more hundred or thousand. Uh, just, just as a, a quick uh, note, Simon, the Airplane Geeks, uh, brilliant podcast that I listen to from uh, across the pond in America. They uh, do a weekly show. Yes. And uh, they've just celebrated their 300th episode. Yeah, well, that's, that's um, pretty impressive, isn't it? Which is pretty impressive, isn't it? 300 good, yeah. episodes, absolutely yeah. fantastic. So well done to Max and uh, David and um, everyone over there at the Airplane Geeks. Uh, well done for that. Uh, so next piece of news then, moving swiftly on. And this is regarding Iceland Air. And they're to start flying from Birmingham. Iceland's leading airline since 1937, Iceland Air, announces scheduled services from Birmingham to Reykjavik in Iceland. It will become Iceland Air's fifth gateway in the UK and the 39th overall. The new flights will operate twice weekly, Thursdays and Mondays, from the 5th of February 2015. Andres Johnson, General Manager of Iceland Air UK, said that we are delighted to announce Birmingham as our newest gateway in the UK. Our first route from the Midlands will not only open up opportunities to travelling to and from Iceland, but also a refreshing and convenient way to North America. Just under three hours from Birmingham to the Nordic country is expected to become a popular uh, route this year. And it's going to be a popular destination as well from the Midlands. Iceland's nature, including the Northern Lights and the New Hot Springs, have always been the biggest attraction. But Iceland's locals will offer a warm welcome to all coming to Iceland. In fact, Iceland was voted the friendliest nation on earth in a recent poll by the World Economic Forum, says Andres. The new service will also offer an attractive flight option to North America, Andres explains. By using Iceland's geographical position midway between Europe and North America, we can offer some of the fastest elapsed times from Birmingham to popular destinations such as Washington, D.C. and Seattle. So Iceland Air, an airline that I see fly over here quite frequently, actually, Simon. Yes. Um, and yeah, with their 757s. Yeah, they've got the 757-200. Um, that's uh, quite a... I've never been to uh, Iceland, uh, have you? No, no. It, it's, it's 
on, it, on the list, I think. It's uh, tempting, yeah, yes. I don't exactly know uh, what there is to do, um, but I'm sure there's sort of a few nice things to look at and do. We've got, obviously, they've got the Northern Lights. Um, that's one thing. And uh, Hot Springs. Yeah, but, um, yeah, the... Uh, uh, nice uh, little logo on there, the white they and blue. Got, uh, they have got nice livery, really, haven't they, as uh, well? With the uh, yellow uh, engines there. Yeah. Also, their 757s have the uh, winglets yes. as well. Yeah, the, um, uh, a lot of these been aircraft. Or sharklets. Yeah, a lot of the uh, older aircraft now are getting modified with the winglets on, uh, which is uh, saving on fuel. I think they're, uh, they look really good, actually, the 757, mm, they, yeah, they the do. winglets. Yeah, they look really cool. Do you know that is one of the aircraft um, that on takeoff, Another aircraft can't actually... Oh, it's classed as a heavy. It is, yeah. Yes. It can't um, take off in the normal time uh, configuration because of the um, draft, uh, the backdraft of the aircraft. Yeah, they're quite well powered. They're powered by mm. the uh, Rolls-Royce mm. RB211. And they've got that whistling, whining noise when you mm. take off, and you can uh, normally hear them when they're flying ar- around or on finals or on takeoff. Right, so next piece of news from the BBC uh, website. Uh, Qatar Airways uh, begin f- uh, beginning flights between Edinburgh and Doha. Uh, they're using the 787 Dreamliner, and it's the first <coughs> direct air link between Edinburgh and the Middle East. Uh, Qatar Airlines will now fly five times a week from the Scottish capital to Doha. The Middle Eastern carrier is using the Boeing 787 Dreamliner and offers connectivity to more than 120 destinations. Edinburgh Airport describes the launch as a historic day for Edinburgh and Scotland. A direct link to Doha will not only enhance trade and culture links, but will truly reaffirm Edinburgh Airport as where Scotland meets the world. So another one for uh, for up north then, uh, Simon. Yeah, we touched on this um, mm. uh, in one of our previous podcasts. I think they um, brought the A380. Was it them or was it Emirates? That was Emirates. Well, yeah. I think they brought the 380 yeah. up, uh, up Edinburgh. Yeah. But Qatar using the Dreamliner. Uh, they're one of uh, one of the sort of the bigger users of the Dreamliner. Yes, um, yeah. But uh, good news then for Edinburgh. Next piece of news, then, uh, I found this one just before we started the show. This one is uh, on the Business Traveller site, and it's uh, regarding Monarch Airlines, and an airline we talk about every now and again on the show. Uh, Monarch Airlines are introducing non-reclining seats across its fleet. Uh, the new ergonomic seats feature a thinner design, resulting in more legroom for passengers. Uh, The airline, which unveiled its new-look cabin yesterday, uh, claims it's a move away from reclining seats, and it's based on customer feedback. Uh, An industry first, Monarch has installed mobile mobile phone and tablet holders in uh, the space where the in-flight screens normally sit, enabling passengers to comfortably watch their own devices. Tim Williamson, Monarch's Director of Customer Experience and Marketing, said that their new ergonomic seats have been designed with our customers' needs in the forefront of their minds. The new non-reclining design gives our customers far more living space than traditional seats without the fear of the person in front impinging or impending on their personal space. We noted from customer feedback that seat storage is particularly important with the new seats on offer, uh, offering more flexibility than traditional pockets uh, using the concept of the bungee cord. The storage area can now comfortably fit a water bottle, jackets and even kids for toys. The seat also, as we said, incorporates uh, an innovative tablet holder. 
that uh, also enables customers to create their own personal in-flight entertainment system. Now, flying Ryanair, Simon, I always take my tablet. Uh, even though it's only a three-hour flight to Malta, it's nice to sort of have something to watch while you're on board. Yes. Um, especially early in the morning when it's a bit dark outside, there's not a lot to see. Um, but these new seats, Simon, are going to um, make things a lot easier to have your phone, well, in front of you or your tablet in front of you. Yes, uh, yeah, because I'm um, looking at a lot of the budget airlines. I take it they don't have um, many uh, in-flight uh, screens or anything no, like that. No, no, no. Ryanair, unfortunately, don't uh, don't have TVs. No. Now, I don't think EasyJet do either. No, on their they don't. I've been on them. Um, but, <coughs> uh, no, Monarch... Uh, uh, having this uh, these new seats so to enable people to be able to bring their tablets on and sit them in a little... Yeah, they uh, look quite uh, nice seats, but I still uh, enjoy the reclining seat. Um, to t- uh, does, it, does it not bother you, Simon, when you're sitting somewhere on an aircraft and someone in front of you reclines their seat? It does. When you're trying to watch a film? Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> that is annoying. And also, I must admit, uh, watching the um, uh, sky map as well, and the worst thing that um, reclining seats... Um, which shouldn't be allowed, is when you're having something to eat, someone put on, soon puts mm, it, or yeah. doesn't want their food, and they <laughs> put their seat back uh, straight away, and uh, you're trying to eat your dinner. I think that some of the uh, IFE screens now on uh, a lot of airlines, the actual monitors tilt in in the actual seat. Yeah, they uh, do. Seat. They so do. They somebody, do. Um, someone does recline their seat, they can put their... That is to do with the um, light that comes through the uh, cabin windows, um, so you can adjust it... Um, to uh, see uh, the picture clearly. But he's a quite nice-looking seat. I, mu- I must admit, they have done a nice job with the cabin. Yes, they um, have. The cabin Those colours and stuff. seats um, look quite thin uh, compared to the normal padded ones, don't they? But uh, EasyJet did uh, fit new seats on their Airbus aircraft last year, uh, newly designed seats, which are a lot thinner, and apparently they are supposed to be quite comfortable yeah. seats. Uh, perhaps for any of our listeners have flown on EasyJet and sat on these new uh, seats, which are designed by Recaro, I believe. Yes, and uh, they are renowned for their uh, car seats mm. and uh, child seats as well. And uh, Perhaps you could send us some feedback, let us know what you uh, think of those seats. Yes, because uh, the uh, Recaro, um, my uh, daughters have uh, one or two of those seats, so yeah, they are good. So next piece of news then from the Antrim Times. United Airlines uh, are celebrating their ninth anniversary at Belfast International Airport. They've been uh, flying from there for nine years now. They started flying there in 2005. The airline's carried over 830,000 people uh, on its route from Belfast to its New York hub and Newark Liberty International Airport. Lord Mayor of Belfast, Martin O'Mullier, who was a frequent customer on the United Belfast service, said he wanted to congratulate United on the success of its route Uh, which provides a direct link between Belfast and New York. Uh, Indeed, I'm proud to be travelling on the service with a business uh, delegation. Uh, Belfast in the Big Apple is uh, the first outward business mission from the city to New York in 20 years, showcasing the very best of our companies and allowing start-up funds here to set out. Their stalls in New York and this uh, New York service enables us to bring Belfast closer to the USA. So I didn't realise, actually, Simon, that United flew from Belfast. No, I didn't. I didn't know that. Um, no, I know they fly from um, numerous uh, airports in the UK. Um, I think they fly from Glasgow. Uh, you have to quote me on that one, but I think they do. And um, Heathrow and one or two others. So, Yeah, as, uh, as just reading here, uh, they're the only transatlantic uh, carrier service from Belfast. 
Um, United offering customers a convenient way of flying direct to New York uh, with onward connections to over 300 destinations across the Americas. So that's good. That's, mm. I don't quite know um, uh, what aircraft they use on that route. Um, I, I would that. imagine it's a 777, yeah. 76. Uh, and now they've got the new Dreamliners because they're linked up with uh, Continental Airlines now because the Continental have uh, got their logo on the back of all the United aircraft now, and the uh, United logo is on the uh, top of the fuselage. So next story then from Flight Global. Uh, Delta uh, in America are ordering another 15 Airbus A321s. The Sky Team Alliance partner, Delta Airlines, is ordering 15 new Airbus A321s that are going to be delivered from 2018. The US carrier is to fit CFM International uh, CFM 56S to the twin-engine aircraft, which will also be fitted with Sharklet wingtips, confirms Airbus. Delta's decision follows a previous order for 30 Airbus A321s placed by the airline last year, when it also signed for a batch of Airbus A330 300s. Airbus says the latest Delta Airbus A321 order will be used to offset jet retirements, and Delta has or has uh, 126 a320 family aircraft in its fleet as well as 32 a330s vice president for the fleet strategy and transactions nathaniel piper says the opportunistic deal will enhance profitability customer satisfaction and shareholder value so good news for airbus then yes, another big order uh, yeah um, more and more US airline. yeah i just can't believe um looking at all the um, airports and aircraft that are being uh, um, purchased in all the news, um, it just seems as though uh, everything is uh, booming in the aircraft uh, industry uh, at the moment, and uh, all the local airports in the UK and even abroad uh, seem to be uh, really busy, mm. and uh, and it's getting busier and busier. So um, I think good. fleets are now starting to become, a lot of the air, airline fleets are now starting to become quite old. Yes, and airlines are now trying to move to more fuel efficient. Yes, and uh, quieter aircraft because uh, it does cut costs uh, big time, uh, especially with the sharklets and the winglets and uh, the new fuel efficient engines. Yeah. So next piece of news, then Simon. This is a good one. Uh, we move from good news for Airbus to bad news for Boeing. And uh, this one is regarding Emirates, and uh, Emirates is saying that they've got no interest at all in the Boeing 747-800 Intercontinental, as it views the A380 as the only very large airliner that can div- uh, deliver the capacity and performance it requires. The Dubai <coughs> Carrier's president, Tim Clark, says he's, uh, he is not in talks about an order for Boeing's largest aircraft, but admits that Boeing is, is quite keen to discuss it with them. He adds that while Boeing and General Electric have worked hard to improve the 747-800 Intercontinental's performance, it won't do the job that the 500-seater A380 will do. That's not to say that if you wanted a smaller capacity that you wouldn't use a 747-800, but the 777-X is coming along, and it's, uh, that's got brilliant economics uh, as a twin-engined, he says. There's nothing out there that resembles the A380 uh, that can, it can do for us. And Emirates uh, considered ordering the 747-800 back in 2007 and pushed uh, Boeing to focus on a slightly shorter stretch to maximise the aircraft's payload and range and performance. However, Boeing opted for a longer stretch to increase passenger, uh, passenger capacity uh, further. 
So Emirates, Simon, as we all know by the um, what we talk about on the air on the podcast, Emirates order a lot of aircraft. They do. Um, yeah. A lot of Airbus 380s. Uh, they've got the largest fleet in the uh, world, I think. Now. I think um, the uh, Boeing uh, 747 series, uh, we're on the 400 at the moment, and obviously uh, they got the 747-8 Intercontinental. But, Which uh, left hands are used? The yes, left hands are used. Yes, but uh, looking at the uh, A380, um, I haven't uh, flown it, um, but it started to, I think, it started to overtake, or if, if it not already has, overtaken uh, the 747 uh, series. Um, because uh, the A380, as we all know, is a fairly new aircraft and. Um, it's uh, a lovely, graceful aircraft, uh, watching it fly, and uh, also the, I think the Boeing 747 series, um, they're quite a graceful aircraft as well. It's nice to watch them uh, in the air, but the A380 is, um, is, uh, looks as though that's the way to go, because it's a double-tier uh, layout configuration, um, so um, I think... I think it's actually... Uh, I love the 380. Yes. No, it's very good. Uh, very good what flight. do you... Um, what is your favourite, the 747 or the A380? Do you know what, Simon? I have to say, I have to say, it's going to be the Boeing. It, it just, it just. I know it doesn't hold as many people as the 380, but the Boeing just looks stunning. It does, even um, even to this day. Mm. Um, and it's even, used, the, even the 800, the 800 Intercontinental series looks just looks just such a stunning aircraft. Yes, I've uh, flown many. Uh, 747 uh, journeys, even on the old uh, one when Virgin Atlantic first started uh, into Boston. Um, so yeah, I've uh, flown many, and uh, I know Virgin Atlantic uh, still uh, holds quite a lot of uh, 747 400s, along with all the rest of their fleet um, of other Airbuses. Um, but yeah, the 747 is a, a lovely aircraft, and uh, I love the way the uh, winglets are actually uh, done out on the Virgin Atlantic with the little Union Jack on the tail, mm. which is good. <laughs> it used to be a little V many years ago, but um, it's all changed. But until I've flown the A380, um, I can't really uh, say on that. But. I can't. I like. I like the the uh, the, uh, the Virgin ladies on the sides of the. Uh, yes, uh, yes. I've been on a few. What have I been on? Uh, um, a few have been Tinkerbell, uh, Jersey Girl. Um, I can't remember the other ones have been on uh, uh, the Tubular Bell, uh, which is to do with Mike Oldfield because Richard Branson you know, a sort of a record business. Um, but yeah, they are all uh, named. Most yeah. most aircraft and airlines do name their aircraft. I know KLM; they're another airline which do, and uh, British Airways as well. So. That's something we um, we talked about before when it's Simon Air- Airlines naming their aircraft. Yes, yes. It's something BA always used to do. Yes. Um, and British Caledonian as well. Yes. <clears throat> so next piece of news then, uh, some good news for Airbus again. Uh, Flight Global, they're saying that uh, Air New Zealand, because um, we have some, we have lots of listeners from New Zealand. Yes, we so do. So hello to all our listeners from New Zealand. Yes. Uh, Air New Zealand are, have signed um, for 13 new Airbus A320 Neos. Air New Zealand has signed a firm order for 13 re-engined Airbus A320 Neo aircraft and one additional baseline A320 The order for 10 A320neos and 3 A321neos and one current generation A320 is valued at $1.6 billion at list prices. The Neos, led by the 
will be delivered between 2017 and 2019, while the single baseline A320 will be delivered in 2015. The airline's orders follow a competitive RFP process between Airbus and Boeing to replace its oldest A320s. Air New Zealand has a fleet of 22 A320s, which fly Trans-Tasman, Pacific Islands and domestic services. The new Airbus Neo will help ensure that we continue to operate one of the world's youngest jet fleets and will uh, further drive fuel efficiency, allowing us to minimise our carbon footprint, says Air New Zealand's Chief Executive Christopher Luxon. Air New Zealand is still assessing the CFM International Leap 1A, or Pratt & Whitney PW1100G, to power the new A320s. A decision is expected in December this year, and the A320s already in the fleet are powered by the International Aero Engines IAE V2500S. Flight Global's Ascend Online Fleets database shows that Air New Zealand has, still has five A320s from previous orders that are scheduled for delivery in 2014-2015. So another huge order for Airbus then, Simon. <laughs> They're going to need to take on extra staff at this rate. Um, <laughs> I'm air, free, I'm free. Yeah, the aircraft, um, it seems quite a lot of um, major orders for the uh, smaller end, uh, the uh, Airbus uh, sort of family. Mm, um, yeah, so uh, that's uh, good news. Um, but I think um, Boeing uh, possibly struggling just a little bit. Um, but uh, Airbus, um, they are sort of uh, really uh, pushing ahead now. Definitely. So moving on again, last piece of news we've got then uh, is uh, regarding New Zealand again. Uh, and this one came out just a few days ago. Uh, the first Boeing 787-9 uh, for launch customer Air New Zealand uh, completed its first flight from Painfield on the 28th of May. Painted in a distinct black livery, the aircraft was taken through its paces, reaching an altitude of 39,000 feet, and a speed of 360 knots during the three-hour, ten-minute flight over Washington. Air New Zealand has 10 A787-900s uh, on order and will take delivery of its first aircraft in the coming weeks before it enters revenue service in October this year on the Auckland-Perth route. The first aircraft will be registered as Zulu Kilo November Zulu Echo. And Air New Zealand 787s are configured with 302 seats comprising of 18 lie-flat business class seats, 21 in premium economy and 263 in economy class. Now, Simon, that, uh, the, the paint job that uh, that aircraft's got, that's the All Blacks, yes. isn't it? That's yes, um, yep. the All Blacks uh, yep. from and, New Zealand. Uh, normally, uh, their configuration of um, uh, paintwork on the uh, other aircraft is... Uh, if Get it right, it's um, normally white or a sort of a bluey white um, with a little hint of uh, green on the underside of the aircraft, and the uh, logo at the back is uh, normally green as well, with Air New Zealand on the top in green. Simon, and blue. do you think that uh, Boeing have turned the corner now with these 787 <clears> issues? Well, uh, this is a um, I don't know. Do they still make the uh, set a Dreamliner? Set? I take it they do. Seven eight seven eight. Yeah, the eight, oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely, definitely. The eight hundred series is still being produced. But um, the nine looks as though it's a step up from the mark. We haven't heard any um, news, so hopefully, uh, fingers crossed uh, for Boeing that they've uh, sorted out this uh, 
major problem they had with the battery packs and mm. uh, also mm. their other problems which have uh, been plagued on this uh, Dreamliner. Yeah. So we're going to bring uh, this part of the show to a close and the news segment. And we're going to come back after this next bit with a load of uh, military stuff and lots and lots and lots of air show news, including our review on the uh, Duxford D-Day anniversary air show that me and Simon attended. Plus, we've also got some really, really good interviews to play as well, which we took uh, at the air show. They'll be Uh, included in this um, podcast. They will, yeah. And you'll be able to listen to them. So we're going to come back to you after this. So with his roundup of military aviation news and air show news, I'll hand you over to Simon. Thanks very much, Carlos. The um, first bit of news we've got is uh, latest Voyager arrival completes core fleet for the RAF. The ninth Airbus A330 Voyager uh, from the UK's future strategic tanker aircraft FSTA programme touched down at Royal Air Force RAF Bryce Norton base uh, in Oxfordshire on the 29th of May, uh, just a few days ago. Uh, completing its service core fleet of the type. So uh, that's uh, good, because um, obviously they replaced the VC-10s uh, um, as their refueling tank and the Tri-Stars as well. So um, they've got the uh, refueling uh, nose um, uh, hose, sorry, hose pods, um, which are uh, on the aircraft. Um, but, uh, I've seen this at Riyadh a few times and uh, in the sky over Southwold, and uh, it's an impressive uh, aircraft, and... Uh, Sort of, uh, uh, it's um, quite an elegant aircraft. Just having your tea there, son. Yes, <laughs> yes. Always good to have a cup of tea on the old podcast. Yeah, we had a, we had a little break there yeah, in between. We had a snacks. cup of tea on the go. Yes, uh, this uh, aircraft is Zulu Zulu three three four, a three point tank. Uh, so it's a pretty uh, good aircraft. Um, this will be on a commitment to support the A four hundred M. Flight test program uh, air tanker says so. Yeah, that's uh, good. Good news. That's good news, and that'll be delivered by the uh, 2016. So, right, next piece of news is uh, the Belgian Air Force uh, new Airbus A321, which was uh, officially presented on the 20th of May uh, just last month uh, as a replacement for the A330-300, which has been in use since the late 2009. So, um, obviously. Uh, They've uh, just replaced quite a lot of their aircraft and uh, capacity of 152 passengers and 2,320 nautical mile range, uh, which is 4,300 kilometres. Like the uh, A330, the uh, new aircraft is leased from Portuguese company Highfly. So uh, that uh, seems a bit of a smaller aircraft than the A330. Yeah, smaller than the A330, um, but the A321 is, is a slightly stretched or slightly longer than the A320, yes, but yes. Um, the, the Belgium Air Force are obviously uh, wanting a slightly um, smaller aircraft yes. than the 330. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the next uh, piece of uh, news is Brazil to add a third convert 767 tanker. Uh, these uh, tankers, uh, it seems there's a lot of work going on with the tankers at the moment uh, for a lot of uh, countries. Brazil is to sign a revised contract soon to add a third converted Boeing 767-300 tanker to its Air Force inventory 
according to Israeli defence sources. In March 2013, the Brazilian Air Force Command selected Israel Aerospace Industries for the conversion of two commercial Boeing 767-300ERs with the option for an additional two. They replaced the service with the four retired KC-137s militarised Boeing 707s, which have been in use since 1986. The modified 767 will be configured under the wing hose drogues, uh, refuelling pods to support the Brazilian Air Force fighters. So, It seems quite a popular aircraft now for um, for military forces to use as tankers. Mm. Um, just looking here on uh, Wikipedia, the um, KC-767, as it's designated, is used by the Italian Air Force, the Japan Air Self-Defence Force, the Colombian Air Force, and, of course, as Simon was just saying, the Brazilian Air Force. And from 2003 to now, there's been 11 of them um, um, designed or built and in, in use. Yes. With a unit cost of $145 million US dollars yeah. each aircraft. Now, yeah. I've uh, flown the... Uh, Boeing 767 many a times um, uh, from Amsterdam uh, to Minneapolis um, and uh, one or two other airlines. And uh, I quite like the aircraft. It's a smaller version, I suppose, of the uh, 777. Only slightly smaller. Yeah, and uh, if you look at them, near enough look the same. Uh, But I think the body on the uh, 767 is quite a lot fatter, um, but it's a narrower aircraft. But it does look um, does look quite uh, quite uh, what should I say um, quite a lot like the civilian version, but without the windows. Yes, um, obviously with the refueling um, hose and drogue part of it as well. But uh, they first flew that one in uh, May two thousand and five. The um, the KC seven six seven. I've seen some of the uh, foreign ones. Um, I think it's uh, is it Korea or the Chinese. Um, I've got them. They come over to Riyadh, um, the 767s. Mm. Um, I think there's one coming over this year. So, yeah, the next piece of news is the C-17 Globemaster and C-130 Hercules fly past the RAF Wittering. Um, if uh, any of our listeners don't know, uh, the RAF Wittering used to be the uh, base for the Harrier uh, many years ago. And um, obviously the Harrier is uh, now gone. But... Um, both uh, remarkable transport aircraft will fly directly over the historic officer's mess, making a single pass before climbing away and continuing them with their training sorties. The C-17 Globemasters are capable of rapid delivery of troops and all types of cargo to bases anywhere in the world. They also have a well-established role as an airborne intensive care unit to transfer critically injured patients. Um, obviously, uh, when they're bringing patients back to the um, UK uh, from Afghanistan. Uh, I've seen uh, documentaries on that on the TV and stuff. So, yeah, and uh, it's uh, the aircraft will be flying pre-planned uh, aeronaut medical training sorties, but have tasked by the RAF events team to conduct the flypast to mark the closure of the Ministry of Defence hospital unit at the Peterborough City Hospital. So uh, that'll uh, be quite interesting uh, for everybody to see those uh, two um, aircraft. Yeah, just looking on the RAF Wittering's website, and they've got uh, they've got quite a nice uh, website, uh, the Royal Air Force, uh, regarding RAF Wittering, and they played a part in the D-Day operations as well there, um, yes, <coughs> as well as Coastal Command. Yes. Um, but uh, quite a good site to look at if you go on the RAF website, Royal Air Force's website, mod.uk, 
you can uh, look at various uh, news and bits and pieces all around uh, the UK from the different <coughs> REF uh, sites. Yes, that happened on uh, May the 30th, uh, Friday, uh, which is uh, past now. Um, but um, that must have been uh, quite a sight, and uh, it was uh, quite nice. <coughs> right, the next piece of news we've got, um, perhaps we'll talk about our uh, review of uh, Duxford. Shall we do that? Let's do that. Yes, uh, so me and Simon went to uh, the Duxford Imperial War Museum in Cambridge, uh, in Cambridge for the D-Day anniversary air show. Um, we got there nice and early, didn't we, Simon? Yes, um, a good old wander around. A good old wander around, uh, around the museum itself, and the static displays inside the uh, buildings, which we've been around before, but yes. still <laughs> brilliant to see. Yes. And uh, then we had uh, an air show to look forward to, which uh, kicked off at 2pm, Simon? Yes, that was yeah. correct, yep. Um, the weather stayed good. It was slightly windy. Had about eleven knot knot uh, winds on the uh, airfield at the time, but uh, all the aircraft managed to get up and fly. And uh, Simon, what what an awesome day we had! Uh, well, I, I really don't know where to start on this. Um, uh, a lot of um, the D Day uh, aircraft um, with the, the Typhoon. Uh, with the uh, D Day uh, white stripe markings on. Um, there is a special. Uh, typhoon display this season um you will actually see him uh, at the displays he's got the uh, d-day anniversary markings uh, which are the white stripes uh, which is quite unique for uh, a typhoon um but you will also see the dakotas um they have got them uh, on as well spitfire and um numerous other aircraft and um one thing that um was brought to my attention i didn't actually realize um while we we're at duxford is uh, one of the old, um, I don't know if you can remember, World of Sport when that used to be on uh, many years ago and they used to t- uh, tow the uh, World of Sport banner on the opening titles. That little tug plane uh, was there with uh, numerous other aircraft um, for the D-Day uh, anniversary uh, uh, air show and um, <clears throat> the actual aircraft itself uh, was there. So if you Google that, you can actually see it um, uh, World of Sport um, tug plane uh, opening titles it is on uh, YouTube, and um, I've got some pictures of that, um, which I'll try and uh, get up sometime. Um, but that was quite interesting. There's so many, um, so many memorable moments with the Petrule de France. They done an impressive show, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they, they came. That's the first time I'd seen those guys. <coughs> uh, they come at the end of the day, didn't they? Just yes. before the Dakotas done their flying. Yes, up. and uh, that. I, um, I've seen them quite a lot of times now, and um, Moors, um, they're a little bit different uh, to the Red Arrows. Um, they fly the Alpha Jet, um, which is an eight-aircraft eight configuration, and um, which is uh, the red, white, and blue, um, or, or however they configure their flag anyway. Um, and their display was really impressive, and uh, they, they use music uh, while they're uh, doing their display, yeah, so that was uh, really interesting. And uh, they're... Uh, they're quite daring with their displays. I uh, will say that. <laughs> I, th- I definitely. I, I said to Simon. I think on the day. I, I think the, the red arrows just uh, not being biased, but uh, the red arrows just seem a, seem a bit more daring with the, some of the stunts uh, they do. I think. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. But, but they did put the Petrole de France. They put on an awesome show. Yes. They done. They done some absolutely fantastic. And they were using um, Cambridge uh, Marshall's. Uh, um, base in Cambridge Airport as their uh, their uh, sort of uh, base um, uh, hub uh, while they're over from uh, France. 
So yeah, that was uh, good. The typhoon flying uh, with the Spitfire was um, quite oh, an that, awesome that sight. Was, that was such a sight. Just, it was quite amusing actually to see the uh, Eurofighter Typhoon. Must have been very, very close to its stall speed. He was because he um, was well pitched up, yeah. trying to <laughs> no pitch nose up, trying to uh, go slow so the Spitfire could fly alongside. But yeah. they did. And it was an awesome sight. It was. Um, we saw them flying in, in a pair for um, two or three passes, uh, which mm. I enjoyed. But the, the Typhoon pilot, he'd done, he done us all proud. And he was, he was actually struggling to hold the aircraft. And I've seen them uh, fly in formations before, and he does struggle to hold that. And, uh, but that was uh, quite an awesome uh, display, um, uh, both together and uh, on their own as well. So uh, that was good. Um, that was good. Uh, with the Sally B, um, that was yep. uh, impressive, wasn't it? Yeah, that was good to see the Sally B flying. I've seen it before at ceiling, but always a treat to see the yes, Sally B. Yes, and flying. I can't believe it's still flying. And uh, and um, we have, uh, if you listen to our podcast, you will actually hear uh, there is a website uh, for Sally B, which you can uh, donate. And uh, the pilot uh, we were speaking to, um, he he will uh, give you that out a couple of times. Um, so uh, that's well worth donating to the, keep this aircraft uh, in the air and everything. So. Uh, yeah. Also, we had the Apache. Um, he he done a brilliant display. Oh yeah, the as Apache always. display team. Um, they had one of their uh, Apaches on the the H sixty four Delta uh, on display, but they also had the uh, one of the aircraft as well do a show for us all, which yes. was a stunning aircraft to see. The helicopter itself does some pretty awesome mu- uh, moves in the sky. Yes, and yeah, vertical, vertical drops. Yeah. And, uh, I love this aircraft. <laughs> I love the noise of it and the shape of it. And uh, the guys, uh, we also uh, interviewed um, the Australian um, Apache pilots. They're on an exchange over here from Australia. Yeah. Um, so that is in, in the podcast as well. Yeah, we're going to play those interviews in a moment. But uh, what else did we see? We saw the Mustangs, didn't we? Yes, they were uh, impressive. Uh, so many aircraft. Um, the Dragon Rapide, um, obviously with classic wings, and then the Scottish Airways one. Um, God, there's a Grumman. Um, we saw that. The, the Hercules, he'd done a fly pass from yeah, our Yeah, we had a Hercules uh, C-130J yes. do a, uh, a, a sort of a, a, a fly pass. He wasn't actually there on, on display. No. But uh, they came in and done a fly pass yes, for us with the rear loading doors on. Uh, yes, open. waving out the back as normal. <laughs> uh, they were from uh, 47 Squadron, as I said, uh, from RAF Bryce Norton. Uh, um, super Marine Spitfires. We had loads of marks of Spitfires uh, there. And um, yeah. also... Um, as I said, we had a lot of um, sort of smaller aircraft tugs and things which were used in the D-Day anniversary. Yeah, the um, gliders they had. Didn't yes, they? So they were impressive. And uh, it was good to see that one of those gliders uh, had a little motorised prop on to move <laughs> himself around. Um, it was quite amusing, actually. Yeah. With me and Simon stood there watching <coughs> the uh, gliders uh, land after they'd done their display. And they had, uh, one of the gliders had a little pop-up uh, electric engine, yes. uh, which gave it the power to taxi back onto uh, to the flight line, which is yeah. good. Yes, and uh, also uh, we had the Red Devils uh, parachute team. Uh, they jumped out of uh, one of the Dakotas. I think it was the Battle of Britain Memorial flight, as we said in the previous yeah. podcast. And then we had a formation of those, um, three of them. Yeah, um, we took some. I took some great pictures of them. Yeah, if you if you uh, <coughs> follow us on Facebook, we did upload um, some pictures to Facebook, didn't we, of the, yes. of the air show we took. Yeah, yeah, so uh, that was... Uh, Really, really an enjoyable day and um, always good to uh, walk around and see all the static aircraft outside and uh, inside uh, the mm. American hangar yeah. and also the UK hangar. So um, 
Yeah, very uh, good. So shall we play uh, our first uh, recordings from the air show then, Simon? Uh, yes. Are you, are you uh, going to actually play them or are you just uploading them? No, no. We're going to play. We're going to put them on the podcast. Yes. So, uh, okay. And listen to <coughs> them. So we're going to play you then the first of our outside broadcasts from Duxford. Okay then, welcome to our first outside uh, broadcast from Duxford uh, Imperial War Museum in Cambridge. We're here for the D-Day anniversary air show. I'm here with Simon, he's uh, standing next to me here. And uh, Simon, uh, quite, a, quite a sunny day today for a change. Yes, uh, a little bit better than yesterday. Uh, obviously we didn't come uh, yesterday because uh, of the uh, rain, um, but looking at the uh, weather, we've got a broken uh, cloud and... Uh, the sun's uh, beaming down through, and it's starting to warm up nicely. Slight breeze across the uh, Duxford um, airfield, so um, hopefully uh, going to be a good day. Uh, we've just seen the Apache uh, fly in from Waddisham, uh, which was uh, good. He's uh, just arrived, and he's given them an, uh, an interview in the uh, control room, as you can pr- probably hear. We've got a few rumbles of aircraft starting and other things happening, and uh, we've got quite an eventful day. I'm just going to give you a run-through. It's, the flying starts at 2 and finishes at uh, 5.30, um, so we've got quite a lot of um, super aircraft to watch, the Eurofighter Typhoon. What do you think of that then, Carlos? Yeah, can't wait to see that one, Simon. That's going to be awesome seeing that. Uh, and uh, what else have we got to look forward to uh, on the air show today, Simon? Um, well, something uh, that I'm really looking forward to is one of these uh, Dakotas that are here. Um, the Red Devils are actually going to be jumping out, weather permitting and wind permitting, uh, later on as the show to close the show. So that should be an interesting... Uh, uh, sight to see. Um, we've got some aircraft starting up over there and some aircraft coming in. We've got the old biplanes and everything in the Dragon Rapide from Classic Wings as well. So um, he looks a little bit blown about on this little biplane <laughs> coming in here. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, a bit, it's a bit breezy today. There's a, a slight breeze, not a huge breeze. It's uh, probably sort of about a four or five knot breeze. And uh, aircraft are sort of uh, coming in. Uh, with the uh, wind obviously uh, towards them, uh, looking across the flight line, there's there's a lot of aircraft uh, have come in, uh, private GA aircraft that have come in on the show today, uh, sitting on the long of the flight line. As Simon said, there's one, two, three, four, five, five Douglas Dakota uh, DC three aircraft uh, on the flight line today. And also, we uh, what we see flying uh, earlier, Simon, we saw... Yeah, yeah, we saw the Apache, um, which was good, as I said earlier. Um, really enjoyed that. And he's going to be doing a display for us, hopefully, later. Um, so I'm um, looking forward to that immensely. Um, always good to see the Apaches. And if you live around uh, Norfolk and Suffolk, they're quite a familiar sight in the skies. And um, uh, always enjoyable and uh, to watch and to listen to that noise when they're actually uh, flying. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, really enjoyable. So uh, hopefully the uh, rain will stay off. I'm just uh, looking across over to our west, uh, westerly direction. There's some rather black clouds in the sky, but uh, they are moving. They're moving away. They're moving away. They're heading towards towards Cambridge, so uh, hopefully uh, we'll be okay. That wind isn't too bad. It's uh, fairly cool, but um, we've got that sun beaming through now, so it's starting to warm up nicely. Um, looking at the old windsock over there, they've got that quite a, quite a uh, uh, that wind looks as though it's picking up a little bit, but um, just uh, seeing here. But other than that, um, hopefully it'll be a good day. Uh, you can probably hear just in the background as a uh, a uh, tug just pulled in uh, next to the Sally B. We're actually standing right next to uh, the uh, B17 Sally B. 
she's uh, due to fly this afternoon uh, at what time Sally be on Sally B is she is due to fly today at some point we'll have a look on here there we go she's due on at three o'clock this afternoon so hopefully me and Simon will uh, will catch a Sally B in in flight that should be great to see that uh, to see that flying so this is the first of our uh, uh, outside uh, we're going to call these um, air show casts or uh, show casts from the uh, flight line here at uh, Duxford uh, Aerodrome so we're going to leave that one for now we're going to come back uh, to you later on uh, with another update <laughs> fond memories there Simon yes and the, you can uh, obviously hear the other aircraft uh, yeah. just um, uh, taxing in the background uh, which is uh, quite interesting um, it was such a hot day and I burnt That's myself big time yeah. there Simon got sunburned yeah, <laughs> big time well burnt sunburned yes so our first interview then uh, at the air show came from uh, the uh, curator or the uh, the the chap who's in charge I should say of the Catalina PBY flying boat and uh, we managed to uh, to grab him and have a great interview inside uh, with David Legg inside uh, inside the Catalina. He was very very kind uh, to let us uh, in inside the actual Catalina. And uh, David uh, let us do the interview inside the aircraft. So we're going to play that now. Okay, you join us in from uh, Duxford Air Show again. Our second segment of the show. I'm here with David Legg. We're on board uh, Catalina uh, flying aircraft and. Uh, uh, sitting in, in, a, in the blister, would you call this, David? That's right, yeah. It's, uh, it's actually a, a Catalina flying boat. Catalina flying uh, boat. To be precise, it's an amphibian because obviously we're sitting in it on land, but it was designed to operate on water. And you're absolutely right where we're sitting with the original gun emplacements on the aircraft. Oh, awesome. So what's the, the history of this aircraft itself, and is it, uh, how, how old is the well, aircraft? this particular one was built in 1943, so it's approaching 71 years old, but the design goes back to the mid-1930s prototype flew in 1935 wow wow and this the aircraft itself which, which we're sitting in now this is privately owned by a, a group of um of sort of enthusiasts yeah, correct it's owned by a group of shareholders uh, who are all enthusiasts most of them are pilots and fly it regularly and uh, we uh, we fly at air shows throughout europe uh, it's a long-range airplane so we can go anywhere in europe we've been as far north as iceland and the arctic circle in norway as far south as barcelona so we get around Wow, wow. And I heard uh, just uh, one of your guys down there saying that you would do a bit at the Berlin Air Show this weekend? Yes, I was due to be in Berlin with it, uh, but unfortunately we've got a carburettor problem at the moment on the port engine, so we were unable to go. But oh, uh, these things sometimes happen with old aeroplanes. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. So the aircraft itself then at Duxford, do, do you sort of uh, attend many air shows during the year, course of a year with this aircraft? Or? Yeah, we do. Um, we're, we're based here at Duxford, so this is our operating base. But uh, as I say, we fly all over Europe, do a lot of shows in the UK and all over mainland Europe. And that's our bread and butter income, really. We, we go to shows, we're paid to go there, and we give a darn good display. Oh, excellent. So can people, uh, is there a charity as such set up for the aircraft that people can donate to? There's not uh, a charity, but we do have a supporter society called mm. the Catalina Society. And for a very modest uh, membership fee, £15 a year, um, you can support the aeroplane financially and you get an illustrated magazine twice a year, which I write. So, <laughs> um, And uh, yeah, that helps support us financially. We've got a website, www.catalina.org.uk. Oh, excellent. All the details are there. Oh, brilliant. The listeners will have to go on that website and definitely uh, look up 
because it is a, it's a absolutely it's one of my favourite aircraft. I mean, I've seen it. Um, I'm not sure with with is, is this aircraft that I saw at Farnborough Air Show in 2012. That was us, absolutely. Uh, yeah, right. Are you there this year? Uh, we are. We're on static display only. We're not. We're, we're flying in, and then we'll be on view to the public, and then we'll fly out again after the show's finished. Ah, oh, what day are you flying in? <laughs> uh, I think we're going Just... in on the Friday. Oh, right. And okay. we'll probably leave either on the Sunday or possibly the Monday. Oh, that's we're awesome. There, we're basically there for the public days. Oh, okay, yeah, I, def- I saw you were parked uh, just behind the Douglas Dakota DC three. We yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, saw you there last year. Yeah. Just looking out of these uh, glass uh, window pods here, and the view is absolutely stunning, and it must be so good when you're up in the air and everything. It is absolutely extraordinary. Um, the, the reason the blisters were there originally was so that the guns could be swung out to attack U-boats, etc. But they were also there so that you could search for survivors of crashed planes or sunken ships. Um, and so the, the, uh, the observers needed really good visibility. And these blisters, as they're known, do give superb visibility. So when you're flying, you can look vertically down, vertically up, straight ahead or straight to the rear. And it's, uh, it's just a phenomenal view. So you're saying about the long range. What was the duration of uh, flight time um, for this they, aircraft? They were built to um, have a range of in, in excess of 2,000 miles. And because we don't fly very fast, that equates to around 18 hours airborne time, unrefueled. So RAF Catalinas typically flew for anything up to 18 hours. Uh, That was quite commonplace. Uh, A bit more than 18 hours was not unusual. Uh, The record for an unrefueled Catalina flight was 33 hours. And that was on a service between uh, Ceylon and Perth in Western Australia, where they did a military mail run. And uh, they were fitted with overload tanks. All the excess weight was taken off, including the armament. And uh, the long- those r- were routinely 30 hours, but the longest one in adverse wind conditions was 33 hours. Wow. Have, have you, you've actually obviously flown on this aircraft yourself. Yeah, I've um, this about 400 times now. Oh, blimey. And you've landed on water? Yeah, 176 times. <laughs> me, per- me personally, that is. Um, but so we don't put it on water that often. And when we do, we restrict it these days to fresh water. Although it was designed to go on salt water, but you get corrosion. But if Steven Spielberg came along with an open checkbook, I'm sure we'd do it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Could I uh, ask, do you actually use the uh, wheels when you're in the water to actually uh, manoeuvre the aircraft? Very good question, and yes, we do, but not at speed. Once we're down to slow speed, we can put the main undercarriage down in the water to act as a brake, or we can put them down differentially to use them as a rudder because the aircraft doesn't have a water rudder, unlike a boat. The only way you can steer the aeroplane when you're on the water is through airflow over the air rudder. And to do that, you need power. But if you bring up power on the engines, you start going forward fast. So putting the main undercarriage down in the water can mean that you you can put the power up, but you can also slow the aeroplane down. And that's how you manoeuvre the aeroplane around on water if, for example, you're going to take it onto a buoy and moor it. So, yeah, very good question. Brilliant. So what's uh, what's the future hold for this aircraft? And you're obviously going to uh, carry on maintaining yeah. and um, uh, air shows. I mean, it's a very reliable aeroplane. At the moment, we've got a temporary carburetor problem, but generally it's an extremely reliable aeroplane, and there's no reason why we can't go on flying it for many years. And certainly that's the intention, show it off to as many people as we can and, and really commemorate the uh, wartime pilots that flew them. Yeah, I was just speaking to a chap outside a moment ago, who uh, who was on one of these during the, during the war? Yeah, I spoke to him and uh, oh, absolutely fantastic chap to yeah. speak to. And he, he was saying how on board they they even had a galley, yep. a cooking area yeah, for it was um, in the area which is now our undercarriage bay. There was a galley there, and they cooked their own meals. 
because they were very long flights and uh, they needed sustenance. That's absolutely that's and amazing. You have to take your hat off to them because I mean we fly in generally fairly benign conditions, you know, displaying the aeroplane. They were flying in, in wartime, all sorts of weather. Um, through the night sometimes um, and they knew that because they were operating flying boat versions at the end of a very long flight they would then have to land on water possibly at night so a lot of, a lot of stress um, you know and I really take my hat off to those guys oh, that's fantastic so uh, your next air show for this year wh where are you going to be this we're hoping uh, that we'll still be able to take it to a Swedish air show in a place called Ronneby which we were due to go to direct from Berlin tomorrow uh, we won't be doing that now because obviously we're not in Berlin, um, but we hope to fly there at the end of this week out to Sweden and do a show there. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thanks a lot for your time, David, and for coming on the Plane Talking UK podcast show. Um, thanks for all the information. It's been great to speak to you. That's a pleasure. And uh, we'll, we'll hope you, uh, you can listen back to yourself on the show if you download us. Yeah, okay. uh, and also, before you go, what, where, can, uh, where can our listeners find uh, your site and that for, uh, for, the, for the aircraft? Yeah, um, I'll give you the website address again. It's www.catalina.org.uk. Brilliant. So check that one out then, guys. And uh, from me and Simon and the Catalina, we're going to uh, leave you now for this part of the show. So there we go then, That's, uh, that was our second, uh, or first, sorry, first interview we've done at Duxford. Uh, our next one coming up uh, then is an interview we got uh, with a Australian uh, RAAF uh, pilot who was on exchange from Australia, weren't he, Simon? Yes, he was, as we said in the uh, podcast earlier. Yeah, he's, uh, he was an uh, AH-64 Delta pilot, and uh, Captain Adam Weir, his name, uh, if you're listening, uh, thanks a lot again for uh, letting us interview you. And we're going to play that interview now. Okay, so you join us back again uh, for our next segment on the show then. We're standing uh, opposite uh, an Apache AH-64D. And I'm here with Captain Adam Weir. Uh, you're a pilot, aren't you, Adam? Yeah, g'day. I'm, my name's Captain Adam Weir. I'm a pilot uh, with the Apache Force at Watersham. And I fly the uh, AH-64 Delta. I'm also on exchange, so I'm an Australian. Ah, uh, yeah, we, uh, so, some of our listeners, uh, especially the Plain Crazy Down Under guys over in Australia and, uh, and uh, Steve Vischer are going to appreciate this, uh, some, uh, some lingo from their side of the pond. Yes, yeah, crikey, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what do you like to fly then? Uh, Apache is a fantastic aircraft. As said, it's the uh, best attack helicopter in the world at the moment. And uh, fantastic to fly, even better to shoot. Uh, yeah, just looking at the guns there myself, uh, I bet that is fun to uh, to get that on the range and uh, do some target practice. Yeah, certainly. Uh, when you when you fire the 30 mil cannon, the whole cockpit will vibrate. Uh, it's fairly, very, very, very exciting. Awesome. So, uh, Adam, how, how many years have you been flying? Uh, well, I, I'm coming up on 12 years now in the cockpit. I uh, started flying in Australia in 2001. Uh, training on CT4s and then uh, eventually on to Bell 206 Kiowa, uh, short stint with the Air Force, and then uh, recently, before I came here, on the Eurocopter Tiger. Oh, wow, so you've got a pretty ra uh, range of aircraft you've flown in over the years. Yeah, that's right. Some may say that they are trying to get rid of me, uh, hence going to the R RAAF and the, the British Army, but they're going to get me back soon enough. <laughs> so you say you're on exchange and you were here for, uh, for a year or for a few months? Or? I know, I'll spend uh, three years and nine months in the UK. Uh, got six more months to go. Probably another tour of Afghanistan uh, back in Australia at Christmas. So you, then you go back home? Yeah, certainly. 
Surf sand. Blimey, the family must miss you. That's right. No more cold weather, rain, fog. You know, can I, I, I won't go on. <laughs> so did you, uh, you fly, you fly this aircraft in today to the show? or? Uh, came in on Friday with the Apache and uh, just manning the static display uh, for the period. But the uh, attack helicopter display team will be uh, up today at about uh, 16.40 uh, to do their demo. Oh, we look forward to that, definitely. So uh, as opposed to flying the aircraft, do you uh, fly any other types of aircraft, private aircraft, GA aircraft at all, or you just purely the Apache? Uh, no, I, I work stuff only at the moment. So I, I have done a bit of gliding recently. Uh, I've done that out of Wattersham. But that's just a bit of fun on the spare, on, on my part-time. Oh, great. So what sort of spurred you on? As a, did you, was it a sort of an early thing as a child? You, you wanted to fly and you, you got your licence and then went to the, the uh, forces or...? Uh, I think my uh, love of flying started, I think, when I was about six years old when we went to Indonesia and I was taken up to the cockpit of a, a Garuda 747 at the time. That doesn't happen much this, these days, that's for sure. Uh, I think since then I've always wanted to fly. Uh, unfortunately, when I was at high school, I found surfing and girls far more interesting. So I was a bit of a late bloomer in that sense. All oh, right, so uh, so the, apart from the Apache and stuff, is that, do you uh, have any other interests sort of aviation-wise at all? Are you more military, or do you like sort of the commercial sort of side of things? Or uh, at the moment, my uh, time and my work schedule are purely military. Uh, apart from computer games, that's all I spend my time on. Flying the Apache on computer games. <laughs> well, I'm a bit of a Battlefield Four fan at the moment. That's my game of choice. I use uh, it to de-stress. <laughs> I, I bet you do. So, train, do you, is it mostly in the UK you're doing training missions and stuff on this aircraft? Or are you? Uh... Uh, no, uh, in fact, I've only just recently returned from uh, Arizona. Uh, we do exercise Crimson Eagle uh, there, and uh, we go over and use the ranges and do pre-deployment training, uh, especially because Arizona best replicates the desert environment that is Afghanistan. Uh, so we spend a couple of weeks over there shooting all the weapon systems. Um, we do do a fair bit of training around the UK, but it can be very restricted with airspace and uh, especially ranges, that's for sure. Oh, great. Well, thanks a lot for your time on the show, uh, Captain Adam Weir. Uh, it's been very good to speak to you. And, uh, yeah, you'll have to look out for us on this show. We'll, uh, we'll drop you a, an info card you can download and listen to yourself in uh, glorious stereo. <laughs> uh, no problem. My pleasure. Okay, thanks for your time, Adam. Cheers. Thank you. Wow, that was awesome, wasn't it, Simon? That we was. We got, uh, got to talk to him. Yes, uh, such a nice guy. Yeah, he uh, was very, very good and uh, allowed us to uh, chat to him in front of uh, quite a huge audience. Yes, He actually yes, had people yes, waiting uh, to talk to yes, him. Yes, uh, so uh, well, thanks again uh, for that. Uh, much appreciated. So our next uh, interview from the show then was with uh, the, the one of the chief pilots of the Sally B, the Boeing, uh, sorry, the, uh, the B-17 Sally B, and... Uh, it was uh, quite uh, quite an awesome uh, chance to speak to him because we actually got behind the barrier, yes, uh, quite close to the uh, Sally B, and uh, we had the interview uh, with Peter Kuipers. Uh, he was uh, the pilot who flew the display uh, at the actual air show while we were there. Um, so we're going to play that uh, interview now. Okay, back again for another segment of the show then at uh, Duxford, uh, the D-Day anniversary air show. I'm standing here next to the Sally B, B-17, with uh, Captain Peter Kuipers. Uh, he's a captain on the uh, pilot on the B-17. Uh, so uh, what's, uh, what's, what's, a, what's she like to fly? It, she's easy to fly. It flies like a big Piper Group, and it's, I guess it's made like that 
because if you have a machine of war, it should be easy. People with low experience were flying these machines 70 years ago. And if it's difficult to fly, you can't take it and uh, fight it. Ah, great, great. So how long have you been a pilot on the B-17? I've not been a pilot on it for four years. Four years, wow. Excellent. And what, is it your, your first, uh, have you got a pilot's license for commercial aircraft or just purely for the B-17? Or? Yeah, my basic background is uh, I've been uh, flying now for 40 years. Starting off on gliders, I'm a commercial pilot flying uh, AT-30s Airbuses for KLM. Wow. And I started flying uh, Warbirds about 20 years ago, on, uh, and I still fly B-25s, I still fly DC-3s, and now the B-17 as well. Oh, wow. Do you still fly commercially as well, the, 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 the Airbus? or have you? Yes, I do still fly you commercially still fly? Uh, worldwide. Oh, wow. Excellent. So uh, you'll be flying the display today then at Duxford. Uh, is it uh, going to be a long display for you uh, time-wise? We're going to do a nine-minute display, starting off at quarter past three. Uh, this is basically flying up and down the runway, as this is not a, an aerobatic aircraft. What we're doing nowadays is flying a big heavy bomber that's designed for flying straight and level at uh, 25, 30,000 feet in big formations. And what we're doing here is completely different, meaning we're flying down to 200 feet and we're making turns, which is what the aircraft is not designed to do. Oh, excellent, looking forward to that. So the the, uh, the actual aircraft itself, is that privately owned or owned uh, by...? No, it's operated by Ellie Sellingbow, and she's the, op- well, the person in charge of our organisation, which is a charity. And if anyone's interested in it, please look at our website, which is www.sellyb.org.uk. And you can see all the information about the aircraft over there. Excellent. So you are, you're looking forward to a good flight today then with the, with the weather. It's a little bit windy though. Is that uh, an issue? Or? The only issue would be the crosswind. We are limited to 15 knots of crosswind. If you look at the aircraft, you can see a really big tail. And if the wind is across uh, more than 15 knots, we're unable to take off. But you should be okay today, hopefully. We should be okay. It might be on the limit, but I think it will be uh, not more than the limit. Excellent. So your, your passion with aviation, then, did it start from an early age? Were you, uh, as a child, interested in flying? Or? It started when I was 14 years old. started flying gliders and never looked back. Ah, excellent. So now you're uh, now just enjoying the uh, Sally B on, a, on an air show basis kind of thing. Uh. Yes, I'm really enjoying this. This is a passion for me. It's a hobby. No one is getting paid in this uh, organisation. And we all depend on uh, Ellie getting enough money in to keep this machine operating and flying. And if I tell you that it holds at the moment 6,500 litres of fuel, to fill it up will set you back almost what a family car will cost you, £13,000. <laughs> that is a lot of money, definitely a lot of money. Are the fuel prices much cheaper uh, in, in Europe and other places for aircraft? Or? No, the whole of Europe is extremely expensive. and I don't know how Ellie even manages to keep this flying. Well, I hope she does for many years to come and uh, hope you, hope you uh, carry on flying the aircraft as well as you do. So just for, for our listeners, and if you could tell us the website again where they can, uh, can find you all the details and stuff on. Yeah, all the details, and you can even help us, uh, all the details on the website, www.sallyb.org.uk, and Sallyb is written as S-A-L-L-Y-B. Excellent. Well, thanks a lot for your time, Peter. It's been excellent to talk to you. Thanks uh, for coming on the Plane Talking UK podcast. And uh, we're going to let you get on with uh, your checks and stuff before you uh, carry on your uh, air show flight today. Thank you. Thank you, and it was a pleasure doing it. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you.
Wow, that was brilliant when it's Simon. Yes, uh, enjoy, I enjoyed uh, all those uh, three outside podcasts. Uh, first interviews, of uh, many. Yeah, first interviews we've done. Um, but um, we've got quite a lot more uh, coming uh, this and every air show season. So uh, something to look forward to. Um, so we're going to play, uh, before we uh, finish this part of the uh, sh- um, show, we're going to play the last two interviews, or the last, sorry, the last two um, outside broadcasts we've yes, done from the show. and then I'll uh, we'll come on to a few other things um, regarding other air shows and the Red Arrows. Yep, so we're going to play you our last two bits then, <coughs> and here they are. Okay, so we're back again, back at the air show then. We're watching uh, the Spitfires and Messerschmitts now do a fly-past of the airfield. Simon's with me. What do you think, Simon? Impressive? Yeah, very good. Uh, Enjoying this uh, very much. Always a good uh, side of Duxford to get a big formation fly pass with the Hurricanes and uh, also the Spitfires and Messerschmitts. Yeah, very good. Yeah, the weather has uh, stayed really good. The weather's it's still sunny, just a bit breezy. And uh, at the moment, I'm listening to ATC in my ear at Duxford here, broadcasting uh, the uh, flight, uh, flight times from the aircraft as to when they're finishing their routine. So at the moment we've got uh, a hurricane, uh, a couple of Spitfires and a Messerschmitt in the air, haven't we, Simon? Uh, yes, uh, we have, and uh, it's quite a nice sight, and uh, just uh, simulating dogfights uh, over the airfield, which is uh, quite spectacular. I'm uh, really enjoying this. Yeah, it's been a really good day. We've had an absolutely fantastic day here at Duxford uh, D-Day Anniversary Air Show uh, 2014. It's been a really, really good day. Uh, we've got some good stuff coming up later on. Uh, in the uh, display before we go home, the uh, Petrule, is that Simon? Yeah, the Petrule uh, de France uh, will be showcasing uh, in the UK first time in 2014, um, which should be good. And they're on at about 16.30, so um, that's not a long way for them. Uh, we just had a flyby by a C-130J uh, um, Hercules from RAF Prize Norton, uh, which was good. Uh, enjoyed that fly past, but as you can hear, um, we're getting drowned out by the noise of all these aircraft, which is... Uh, which are the World War uh, aircraft of the time, um, back in the 1940s. Um, so it's quite spectacular. We've got a couple of measure smiths on the ground now, and the others are now doing their final well, passes. Yep, we're just waiting for the uh, the fly pass of the last of the aircraft uh, on this particular part of the display now. And uh, as Simon was saying, we've had some really good aircraft flying today, the B-17 Flying Fortress. Um, piloted by Captain Peter, who we interviewed uh, earlier on. Uh, you probably heard his interview uh, earlier on in the show. And uh, that was a brilliant uh, brilliant display by the B-17, the Sally B. And uh, we also had uh, a fly pass from the C-130J, Hercules. Uh, that flew past uh, with the uh, rear doors open as well. Fantastic sight. So we're going to uh, come leave this part of the uh, segment here for a moment and we'll come back to you uh, towards the end of uh, today's air show, aren't we, Simon? Yes, uh, the air show's uh, wrapping up about uh, 1,700 uh, or just after. So uh, we'll be back to give uh, an update uh, on the final part of the show uh, later on this afternoon, OK? OK, we got OK, so this is our last uh, broadcast then from the Duxford uh, D-Day anniversary air show for 2014. Simon, it's been a really good day, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely fabulous, Carlos. And uh, as uh, we uh, draw a close on this last uh, podcast uh, from Duxford, outside podcast, we're just looking up in the sky and we can see three DC-3 Dakotas uh, flying in formation as part of the D-Day anniversary uh, celebrations. And uh, we've just took some uh, photos, which we'll be posting up on our uh, websites. Um, But we can... 
I don't know whether you can actually hear these aircraft, but they are looking absolutely fabulous with their D-Day anniversary markings. Um, and they're all flying in formation in a group of three here. And it's really spectacular. They've been over once and they're now flying around quite high again. And um, we've got some lovely shots. And we've also had the Petroulet uh, de France uh, just finish their display, which was absolutely spectacular. Um, a little bit different uh, normally than the Red Arrows, but um, they've got one or two um, uh, things off uh, the Red Arrows, uh, which they uh, have uh, given to them. Uh, so it's been an absolutely fabulous day. We've had the Apache as well, haven't we? Yeah, we had the Apache uh, gunship do a display as well. Been fantastic. You could probably uh, I'll just hold the microphone up here, see if you can hear these, uh, these Dakotas flying over. Awesome sight there, flying uh, just in front of the sun. It's been a, been a good day for weather. We've, the uh, rain has kept away. We've had a bit of wind, uh, a little bit of cloud, but uh, all in all, it's been a great day. Thoroughly enjoyed myself, Simon. Our first, uh, our first uh, showcast, as yes. we're going to call it now, yes. uh, showcast from, uh, from here. So uh, we're going to leave uh, here now and make our way home. So uh, it's uh, from me, it's an air show uh, goodbye, and from Simon. It's an air show goodbye, and if a rather little bit burnt as well from all the sunshine. You take care. Yep, take care, and uh, we'll uh, carry on with the show. Bye. So we hope you enjoyed those uh, outside broadcasts we've done. Uh, it was nice to see, hear the uh, the noise in the background as well of all the aircraft. Yes, on. yes, uh, very much so. Um, uh, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable day yeah. and uh, many more to come. Um, so, yeah, we're going to crack on with the rest of the uh, air show news. Yep. so what you got else have you got to uh, tell us about then, Simon? Um, Red Arrows, um, their uh, 50th uh, display season, have been given um, the actual... Uh, public display authority and uh, they arrived uh, home uh, excuse me a few days ago um, the first UK air show was um, the 31st of May at Falmouth uh, Cornwall to coincide with the Pendennis uh, Cup so um, it's um, great to have you home Reds um, uh, and uh, we're looking forward to a 50th uh, birthday uh, celebrations which have already started and um, it's nice that you've uh, had a safe journey back from uh, Cyprus um, as I knew it took a, a little while to get back, and uh, you're safely back at home at um, RAF Scampton now, uh, which is uh, good. So um, squadron leader Jim T- uh, Turner, uh, team leader, Red One, said, being awarded public display authority for 2014 with the Red Arrows 50th season is a proud moment for everyone involved and is a testimony to the dedication and constant strive for excellence, which have always been hallmarks of the, the team uh, the Red Arrows and the Royal Air Force, the teams, engineers and support staff, who number more than 100, uh, also changed their cover coveralls uh, following the PDA uh, announcement into their famous royal blue flying suits. The final part of the PDA process took place at RAF Equatory in uh, Cyprus uh, last week. So um, uh, congratulations, Reds. And uh, they had a 21-minute uh, display uh, there. And, um, and been given uh, authorization uh, from uh, the Air Vice Marshal uh, Mike Lloyd, who observed uh, all aspects of the um, final display uh, to pass them out, including five separate displays uh, beforehand. Uh, and they do have a high uh, safety uh, record, which they have to um, adhere to. So um, I'll tell you what, Simon, for people living in, uh, in Cyprus... They must have an amazing time yes. seeing all these free air shows. Yes, 
and it's not just once a day, it's three and four times a day, these flights, and uh, um, it's just uh, spectacular. And the weather, I know in Cyprus, they did have a few days of rain out there, so uh, the weather has been pretty bad, but most of the time it's uh, just pure blue skies and brilliant sunshine. The Red Arrows um, have performed numerous um, displays, 4,500 displays uh, in 55 countries, so it is unbelievable uh, amount of air shows that they've actually um, uh, flown and um, if you do need to find out uh, the transit times for any of the uh, Reds next few days uh, just go to the uh, RAF Red Arrows uh, website um, and uh, click on the uh, link there um, and you will actually uh, see it and it should give you the transit times, takeoff times and landings at uh, the airports which they use as their hub for the uh, air show um, uh, that is on that day. So, uh, yeah, it's great to have you home, and I'm looking forward to seeing them uh, next week uh, uh Biggin Hill, which was one of their first places that they had done a public display, which is quite um, exciting on their 50th year to see that at Biggin Hill uh, um, a week on Saturday. So yeah. we're, we're going to Biggin Hill Air Show, aren't we? Yes, um, I went to Biggin Hill quite a few years back now, not, not that many um, uh, um, but uh, it's a little bit uh, different format and run by different people. So um, it's going to be still used as, a, as its normal uh, airport um, up until about midday. And then it changes and the airport sort of closes uh, for an afternoon. Because um, I don't think they want to lose any um, airport um, business um, for the whole day. So that's why it's... Uh, the gates open at midday, which is rather strange, but that's the way they want to do it. And uh, we've got a good selection of aircraft, and uh, um, I'm so looking forward to going back to Biggin Hill um, because, as, as I said, that was one of the Red Arrows' uh, first public displays ever. Um, so uh, on this 50th uh, anniversary, uh, it's quite uh, poignant. Just looking on the uh, Biggin Hill Festival of Flight website, yes. Simon, uh, for the display, and they've got a confirmed list. Of aircraft, yes. uh, we've got the Red Arrows. Yes, uh, we've got the Douglas Dakota yep. uh, from the BBMF Battle, uh, Battle of Britain Memorial Flight. We've got uh, the Spitfire, uh, the Supermarine Spitfire Mark uh, Six. Uh, we've got the Shorts Tucano team uh, display team, uh, the Blades aerobatic display team. Yes, with um, the extra with the extra EA three hundreds. We've got the Breitling Wing Walkers. Yes, with the uh, Super Stearmans. Uh, we've got uh, a Curtis P forty. And we've got the Mark I Hawker Hurricane as well. Uh, the Raiders Parachute Display Team from the Royal Navy. Yes, they're uh, quite new. I say quite new. I've never, uh, I don't think I've ever seen them uh, jump before. I've not, it's normally the Red Devils or, or the Aria Falcons um, display team, parachute display teams, which I see. So that's uh, be something to look forward to. And the Red Bull Matadors. Yes, they're, um, uh, they're always a great show, the uh, Matadors. They're, they've got the S two or the S uh, two S back uh, S uh, XA forty ones phone ringing there. Uh, we've got the Glider FX team, and also we've got the Royal Navy Black Cat Lynx yes. uh, as well. Uh, the Fiery Swordfish, yes, and the Sea Fury, and we've got the Messerschmitt one hundred and nine. Yep, the Trig Aerobatic Display team. Yeah, they're always good. Um, I love uh, watching them. Uh and the last addition to uh, to the website as well uh, is the B seventeen Sally B as well. She's going to be there. Yes, um, you should have the, the uh, gazelles on there, uh, which used to be the um, uh, some of the sharks. 
Um, I think they were listed on the, at that air show. Um, I saw that on one of the sites the other day. Um, uh, they're a new addition uh, on the uh, air show circuit, so that should be uh, good to look forward to. Um, so there's uh, lots to look forward to at Biggin Hill, and um, I, um, I'm looking forward to uh, all these coming air shows uh, so much. I just hope that the uh, weather is uh, going to be uh, very good. And um, uh, make, make sure I put plenty of uh, suntan cream on. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was quite amusing. When we left Duxford on, yeah. on the Sunday, um, Simon was rather red. Yes. Rather, rather lobster. Scorched, and I was yeah. burnt for a few days uh, after that. Um, but luckily it's uh, calmed down a bit now. Right, the, because it's a D-Day anniversary uh, celebrations, uh, we've got Dakotas over Normandy. Um, now, the event starts from the 3rd of June and runs till the 8th. Uh, the Ground Canopy Parachuting Display Team organises a spectacle. Uh, Once-in-a-lifetime international air show in honour of the 70th uh, commemoration of the 1944 D-Day invasion in Normandy, France. The paramount focus of the air show is three exciting subjects. One, the Douglas DC-3 Dakota, C-47 Dakota, the uh, winged workhorse of the Allied Forces, um, to the largest invasion in human history which took place in Normandy the 6th of June 1944 and the 3rd, thousands of jumps made by Allied airborne troops during the invasion. The event consists of two major parts, the 3rd and 4th at a Duluth Leon Solent Airport in the UK where aircraft will assemble uh, to include, four to include, and the 8th of June um, from Cherbourg um, and its airport in Normandy, France. Our programme has been finalised and looks like this. Right, um, if you want to actually read it, because there's quite a lot here to read out, mm. um, uh, if you just go to the uh, Normandy uh, uh, website it's here, it's uh, Round Canary Parachuting uh, Display Team at Dakota's over Normandy, you will get a list of the event here, and there's a donation page as well. Um, so, um, Looking at the pictures here, we've got all these Dakotas. Um, that'd be lovely to see um, all these, because look at all them just lined up there. And there'll be a few uh, jumps, weather permitting. Um, it should be a, an awesome day in the next few days. So, yeah, so that'll be uh, something to, uh, to look forward to. Right, I've got a bit of news about the Vulcan. Um, I'll t- what I'll try and do is uh, get some more information on this. Um, I actually read this um, on Facebook, and uh, what it is, um, Riyadh... Um, uh, well, what actually happened was um, the Vulcan actually applied to go to Riyadh as normal. And um, many months back, um, last year that they'd done this, and um, they've just confirmed, Riyadh have just confirmed that, um, that the Vulcan couldn't actually fly on the Saturday because they were completely booked. Um, so there's no room for it to fly. So they were going to put it on um, static for um, the Saturday, um, but they uh, didn't do that and let it fly the Sunday. Then they told them that they couldn't fly the Sunday neither and they could only go on static display. But the overall costs of this, they are have confirmed that there'll be no Vulcan flying at the Royal International Air Tattoo 2014 this year. Um, there is more um, news about this coming, um, but at the moment I'm a bit um, sort of puzzled of what is actually going on with this um, because it's very strange, and I know a lot of people would will turn up and have paid their tickets to, to go to Riyadh to see the Vulcan as uh, part of the air show. But it's uh, such a shame 
so I don't honestly know what is um, what else I can uh, tell you at the moment. But as soon as I get some more information, I will actually uh, update you. And uh, just keep an eye on our Facebook page, and uh, I'll try and put some posts up there um, if I get any more information about this. Um, but it will be uh, flying at Waddington, and also it will be flying at Farnborough and numerous other air shows. Um, if you go onto their website, um, the Vulcan to the Sky website, there is a list on there that will give you their um, display dates and uh, where they're actually flying. Uh, uh, but it's all... Always nice to see the Vulcan flying because it's the only one flying in the world, and uh, it's such a um, so sad that it's not flying at uh, Riyadh. Um, but as I said, I'll try and get some more information about that as, as soon as I uh, it becomes available. And um, the next piece of news I have is um, we've got quite a few air shows um, in June now as we uh, sort of uh, re- really get into the thick of the air show season here. Um, as I said, from the 3rd, which is tomorrow, Dakota's over Normandy, um, Leon Solent Airfield, Hampshire, is the largest gathering um, of uh, DC-3s and C-40, uh, C-47s will gather at Leon Solent before departing for Cherbourg. Uh, but there's no, no public access to this airfield, um, but I would imagine you'd be able to go around the uh, perimeter fence, wouldn't you? Yeah, to get your camera and your uh, tripod, I'm sure you'll find a space yeah. somewhere yeah. to uh, take photos. Having said that, I would imagine it'll be quite busy because this will be something uh, quite special. There is a postcode for this. It's P0139YA, um, if you want to get that for your sat-navs. It's P0139YA. Um, I'll repeat that again. And uh, after that, we've got the Heli UK Expo, which is on the 3rd and 4th of June. That's at Swile um, Aerodrome, Northamptonshire. Um, so that should uh, be uh, something interesting. A lot of uh, helicopters there. And there's the Throckmorton Air Show in Worcestershire, UK's largest emergency services and military show supporting combat stress. Flight Help Cancer UK and the Royal Air Force Association, the Midlands Air Ambulance Tra- uh, Charity. And their postcode is WR102LW. And then... Um, that's if you uh, wish to go to that one. The next air show is the Folkestone Air Show, Kent, um, which uh, promises to be a, a, an awesome air show. Um, and that is uh, on the 7th and 8th of um, this month, um, this coming weekend. Um, it's a two-day show, and it is free. And um, their uh, postcode is CT22EB. That's CT22EB. Um, this air show... Um, Obviously, uh, it's going to be an awesome one, as I said, um, but there's always lots to uh, see. If you go to the uh, website, it will actually uh, give you a list, hopefully, of uh, what's uh, actually displaying there. We've got four days left, 15 hours, six minutes, 11 seconds. Um, So uh, that is um, an air show that's worth looking into if you're in the area at that time. And the red arrows, uh, red arrows are going to be there as well. Aren't they? Yes, the they are. Um, what else have we got? We've got the red arrows. We've got the uh, Battle of Britain Memorial flight. Um, Dakota um, sometimes flies there, but we've got the picture of the Lancaster and Spitfire and Hurricane. The I'll tell you what, Simon. We want to just say just quickly as well that our hats off to the guys who actually maintain and keep these aircraft flying. Because yes. as we found out from uh, from Duxford, where me and um, Simon were there. The, the Sally B is purely funded um, by, a, by a, a kind of group of people. And um, 
you know, she's purely funded for air shows. Yes. There's no chat. There's no. Uh, um, there's no sort of donate. You know, money coming in from the governments or anyone big organisations. These aircraft, most of which are kept running yes. uh, purely by passionate people with yeah. uh, a love of old aircraft. Like yes, these. yes, and uh, it's so old. Um, it's got ma- masses of drip trays underneath it um, because there's the amount of fuel that leaks because it's so old and. Um, um, they must be quite a drafty aircraft, a lot of the old, old, um, older aircraft, uh, because mm. uh, um, they're not as well made as they uh, are now to, uh, today. So it's nice to see that the uh, folks in air show is going to have the Sea King then. Yes, quite yes, handy. Yes, near the coast. Um, yeah, there's not many uh, more days left of the uh, Sea King um, as a roll um, as a yellow uh, rescue helicopter around the UK because um, it's been replaced by um, the Coast Guard. So. Um, but yes, we've got the uh, Lynx AH-7, that's the Army Air Corps, that'll be there. The Tutor, that'll be there. The Tucano T-1 is there. The Blades, the Breitling Wingwalkers, always good uh, to see the, them. And um, uh, Jet Prover, Strike Master, the SWIP uh, team, um, good to see them. Triggs, uh, the Ferocious Frankie, which is a P-51 Mustang, the... Aviators, they're there. The Sabre um, and the Muscle Biplane and the Tigers Freefall Parachute uh, display team. So if you go onto their website, you will actually uh, be able to see it. Um, the Cosford uh, Air Show is um, another air show uh, worth looking into um, because they do ground runs with the Jaguar. Um, this is one uh, air display that um, I'm going to go to um, in, the next, uh, in the coming years. Um, the gates open on this uh, 8.30 in the morning. Uh, this is five days, 13 hours to go, so 33 minutes. 20. That's this weekend. Yes, This it Sunday, is. the 8th. It is. Yeah. Um, a lot of these uh, airshow websites do have a, a counter. I know Riyadh has, Waddington has, and um, a lot of the uh, main tickets are sold out now for uh, Cosford, but you can still get just public uh, gate tickets, uh, the uh, hospital hospitality uh, silver and gold packages are now sold out and um but i do believe um that there are tickets available um for more um just general uh, entry to the air show anyway so if you go on at their um website uh, it's worth um getting the tickets very soon because uh, i think you can download most of these air show tickets as an e-ticket now uh, which is good and they're getting 5000 hits a day uh, to, coming up to the air show so it's um one worth uh, going to if you want to because there's um the jaguar display team uh, which uh, used to fly around um their ex uh, jags are a taxiway uh, use the taxiway uh, rf cosford and uh, fly around so yeah it's um another great air show um worth uh, going to and uh, one i'll be uh, going to uh, in the future right um there is uh, other air shows uh, that have uh, been cancelled. Um, one of these is um, uh, the, this one's in June. Uh, this is uh, the Baxterly Aerodrome um, Fly-In Air Show, which has been cancelled. Uh, I don't know why that one's... That's a Wings and Wheels event yes, so at that, uh, Baxterly Aerodrome. Yeah, that's at the end of the month, so that's been cancelled. But um, also the uh, Manston uh, Air Show in Kent, Yeah, that's uh, cancelled because I believe the airport is uh, closing. Which that, is, I uh, think that's closed now. The Manston, that, yeah. Un- unfortunately, the Manston Air, uh, Airport, I think, is now closed. Well, it's uh, such a shame. Shame, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, that's uh, just about it from uh, me. I've got one other thing... Um, 
which uh, my friend uh, from work uh, um, give to me. Um, this is for our younger listeners. For all you uh, young... This is, this is definitely something to listen to. Yes. Any youngster listeners or any... Uh, any youngsters uh, or parents with uh, with young children in the UK, definitely one to listen to, this one. Yes. Um, for all you uh, younger adult playing enthusiasts, aged 13 years and above, who may be thinking of uh, a career in the REF, why not join your local ATC, 469 Lowestoft Squadron, a chance to go flying, sports activities, a band, Duke of Edinburgh Awards and, and much more. Go along on Monday and Friday um, at 19... 19- 15 in the evening, quarter past seven, to have a look and what you could be missing. The TA Centre at St Peter Street, Lowestoft, is the place to be. If uh, you know, That's just uh, near enough opposite of the Lowestoft College. Um, and there is uh, a couple of emails and a phone number here. If you wish uh, to go, it's email uh, officercommander at 469atc.org. That's... Officer Command at 469atc.org or email trevorwig at aol.com and the phone number for that place, um, uh, if you wish to go there, is 01502-564-696. So um, if you do have any problems with any of those email addresses, uh, just get, send us, uh, drop us an email um, via our webpage and um, we'll get back to you as soon as we can. So uh, as for all the younger listeners out there, if you live in the Lowestoft uh, or surrounding areas and uh, wish to um, possibly take a career in the REF, that's where to start and that's where it could uh, actually get you up into the sky um, or in a future aircraft and be one of the main pilots. So, I wish I would have done that, Simon. Yes. Gone in the ATC. Yes, yes, mm. definitely. And uh, thanks to uh, Trevor Wig, uh, my work colleague, uh, for uh, giving us that and uh, may get him on the show one day. Right, so we hope you enjoyed that part of the show. Yes. Loads of news there, and like, uh, like you said, we've still got some, we've still got lots of air shows to go to this uh, this month and in months to come. Yes. So we're going to come back to you just after this. Don't forget, you too can contact the show and leave your messages for Simon and Carlos. Contact them via their website at www.plaintalkinguk.com or email them at plaintalkinguk at hotmail.com. Send them your messages. They really want to hear from you. Yes, we do want to hear from you, so please do send us uh, your feedback. So normally we'd be having uh, a segment from Pip this week, but Pip is still rather busy, uh, Pilot Pip, and uh, he's busy producing more episodes of the Plane Safety Podcast. But hopefully we'll have a segment in the show for you uh, in episode 23 from Pip. Also, our uh, in-focus aircraft of the week, uh, we're going to run that through into next week's uh, episode, episode 23. Uh, for those of you who don't follow us on Facebook, um, the InFocus Aircraft of the Week, which you can vote for via uh, email or you can um, like us on Facebook and see the aircraft on there. So this week we're giving you the choice of uh, uh, four aircraft and uh, these are ones that uh, Simon's chosen. And the first one is the A-10 Thunderbolt and the second one is the Martin XB-51. The third one is the Rockwell B1 Lancer. 
and the fourth one is the Douglas A3 Sky Warrior. So that, there are in-focus aircraft choices. We're going to uh, profile one of those in the next episode. So if you're listening and you want us to focus on one of those particular aircraft, get your votes in. Uh, number one, again, being the A-10 Thunderbolt. Number two, the Martin XB-51. The third one, the Rockwell B-1 Lancer. And number four, the Douglas A-3 Sky Warrior. Send us your votes in via email or on via Facebook. Uh, you can obviously find our email uh, via our website at www.plaintalkinguk.com. If you go on our website, you can click on the Contact Us page. That will send an email right through to me and Simon, and uh, we can respond to you that way. Or you can send us an email direct to plaintalkinguk at hotmail.com. Com. Send us your emails there. Send us some feedback. We'll give you a mention on the show as well. So just um, quickly before we finish, we're going to say hello to Mickey Scoynes. He's one of our latest followers on Facebook. Uh, so hello, Mickey. Hope you're enjoying. Uh, hope you're enjoying the show. And also to Alan Hammond as well. Alan Hammond. He's another uh, re- uh, uh, new. Uh, follow us on facebook so hello to alan as well so don't forget follow us on facebook and twitter and also you can uh, catch our youtube page as well we're on youtube if you search plain talking uk you'll see some videos uh, on there as well and uh, and that's really all about time we've got for this week. Have we got any other bits of news simon uh not that i can uh, think of it's just been a ram-packed uh air show podcast uh, this week and uh it's only going to get more and more busy as we um, get deeper and deeper into the air show season, um, which is going to have uh, a lot of surprises. And uh, we've got the Queen's flight coming up in a few weeks. We'll uh, try and get back to you or post a, a list of the aircraft that will be on the Queen's flight, which will be over, available to see over the uh, East Anglian coast off Lowestoft and Southwold. Uh, that's the area that they uh, practice and uh, also uh, group up and uh, get ready to start the formation. The Red Arrows normally come down um, over Alton Broad and Lowestoft uh, area and then head down out over Southwold to uh, link up. But they're normally right at the back, um, so that should be uh, interesting. Uh, and I'll uh, get you that list as soon as I have it. Yeah, so don't forget as well, uh, we're going to add that new page to our website, uh, show notes page. You can uh, find uh, some links to some of the stories we've covered in uh, in the show today. We're going to have that up as soon as we can. Um, so that's it then for episode number 22 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we're very, very appreciative of all our listeners uh, that we have all across the globe. And uh, thanks for taking the time to download our podcast and uh, listen to me and Simon. We both appreciate it, don't we, Simon? Yes, we do. And uh, if you have any information uh, regarding any air shows or there's something you'd like to ask us about any uh, air shows, whether it be information on uh, uh, what aircraft are flying and um, uh, whereabouts an air show is on, um, do uh, drop us a line uh, via email uh, or uh, or Facebook or whatever, and uh, we'll try and uh, get back to you. But as I said, if you've got any information uh, about any air shows that we don't know about, um, that'd be uh, nice to hear from you. So drop us a line. Yeah, do that. Please do drop us a line and uh, and send us uh, send us your thoughts and stuff, and uh, we'll give you a mention on the show. 
So that's it then. We're going to bring episode 22 to a close. Uh, it's uh, It's been a good uh, episode. We've enjoyed ourselves. Yes. The, and, the, the um, peanut puffs have all gone. We, yes. did, we did have a bowl of peanut puffs. But, but Carlos has eaten them all. Uh, <laughs> Simon, Simon has uh, put those away. Yeah, and the cat has helped itself to a foo as well, which <laughs> I find rather extraordinary. But anything's possible in the... In the um, in our house yeah. in, in your house, house exactly yes. don't yeah. forget as well before we go to uh, look out for us at the air shows where we'll, we've got uh, now got our uh, plain talking UK uniform so you'll see our blue t-shirts with the logos on and we've also got some grey fleece uh, jackets as well so yes. keep an eye open for us yes could have done with that the other day we when could... I was at Duxford yeah. <laughs> that, um, just that cool breeze of wind although it was a hot day um, I left my coat home because I was so excited it was my first air show of uh, 2014 I left without my jacket. <laughs> I had a jumper, though. You still so. got sunburn, though, Simon. <laughs> yes. Okay, then. So uh, thanks for listening, then, uh, guys and girls. Uh, you're a fantastic audience. And uh, take care. And we'll come back to you next week in episode 23. So from me, it's a massive air show goodbye. And from you, Simon? Yeah, it's eyes to the skies. And uh, air show 2014, welcome. Can't, be- can't believe it's here. Here we go then. Thanks then, Simon. And uh, we'll see you all again, uh, or hear you all again, or hear us again, I should say, on episode 23. So goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.